And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Starting another month. The month of August kicks off today. Where does the time go, folks? I tell you. It is the first Monday of the month. I need to turn my microphone down there a little bit. It is the first Monday of the month. We are live from the bunker. Welcome, everyone. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. Happy to have you all with us. We are broadcasting live to Facebook, Odyssey, YouTube, and it looks like the audio bug for Odyssey uh, isn't there right now. So if you're watching on Odyssey, then maybe you can hear us. So we'll see. I want to say, give a shout out to everybody who's listening to this as a podcast. Uh, it is uh, it is available on a number of different platforms, so uh, do check us out over there if you are so inclined for that. Uh, the chat's open. Uh, you can always leave a comment if you're not here with us live. The email address, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And, uh, of course, we're on all the different socials. We shouldn't be. I should just nuke them all, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. Anyway, all right. So, all right. So we are we are beginning our new month. It is the first Monday of the month, which means we're going to be talking about money. But I do want to uh, give you a couple of programming notes here, real quick. Um, over on YouTube, we have a we have a new channel that started. It is uh, it is our replay channel, Sci-Fi for Me TV dot two. So this channel will be the live stuff, and that channel will be. All of the recorded stuff will port over, so it's it's a test, it's an experiment to see if we can trick the algorithm a little bit for something. I don't know. We'll see. So uh, so there is that. Uh, if you want to go subscribe over there, and let's see what happens. Who knows? It could be a complete waste of time, like a lot of other things that we do. But anyway, I, that's that's the way we do. Okay. Um, also, for August, we're going to test a change up in the schedule. For August, we're going to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday for this show. Uh, mainly, it's a time management experiment for me. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday throughout August, 1 p.m. Eastern. The time's not going to change. We're just going to go uh, different days. Just to see how that's going to go. So we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, also, I uh, want to uh, let people know tonight on H2O, we're going to be talking about both Nichelle Nichols and David Warner. We lost them uh, this past week. So we're going to be taking a look at their careers, uh, both in Star Trek and other things. So join us for that, 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay, all of the housekeeping stuff is out of the way. Uh, I see Cam in the chat saying hello, so hello, Cam. And we've got with us our uh, our usual uh, band of merry men here, uh, Dan Danford and Matthew Stevens. Welcome, gentlemen. We've got a lot to talk about. We have a pile. <laughs> Things are busy. Things are busy. Things are busy. Yeah. Well, 
let's let's start with this one because this just came over and i sent you some stuff that came over this morning but this one brand new came over just a few minutes ago amber heard has sold her yucca valley hideout for a major profit this is according to uh uh dirt which is i believe uh dead i think this is a deadline publication but uh amber heard has has sold her her place in in the yucca valley so well there you go there you go that'll that'll pay off that'll pay off uh, a couple of oh. alpacas right yeah, that'll um, that'll that'll help out Mr. Depp uh, towards his settlement. I I saw something on socials today, and I don't I'm not putting very much stock in it because it's you know it's Twitter. But uh, I saw somewhere uh, that there's either been an offer or she's actually considering uh, a, an adult project. I was like, oh no, no that's that smacks of desperation. But at this point, you know, it, it's current year everything's just kind of uh nothing, nothing lines, surprises right? me right right johnny will be attached to it yeah uh, i i tell you it is just such a such a crazy thing i see dave there in the chat saying greetings to all of the fellow bunkerites it's good to have you with us so um where do we want to start let me uh let me take a look around because there's a lot of a lot of different things to go through but the thing that i got this morning uh, from Variety is a link to a report, and it basically says the entertainment industry is in a bear market now. For for those of uh, those those of us who are not into the in, in the investor stuff, you have the bear market, you have the bull market. Bear markets, things are going down. It's uh, not the best in terms of profit and and that sort of thing. But they're looking at this, you know, from the standpoint of the streaming services and the subscriptions and people going out to, to the movies and all of this stuff. And they're saying bear market, which would indicate to me that there's a little bit of an issue. And it's well, they're a, fighting it's each other thing. for the, the same customers. There's just so much competition. Five years ago, it was only Netflix. Now it's everybody. I don't even have Netflix currently. I'll switch back to it at some point, I'm sure. Uh, that That's just a huge factor. I can't believe they haven't gone, started selling advertising on Netflix or at least have a tier where that, would, that that's coming. Advertising. The, the, Netflix, the ad tier for Netflix and Disney Plus both are coming. Now, Disney, where I was talking to uh, I was talking to Valiant Renegade this morning. Disney Financial Report is coming out next week, and he's expecting that they'll announce the begin the beginning date for their ad tier for Disney Plus during that financials call and there's some suspicion that maybe Andor, you know, the new Star Trek series, uh when that drops, the the ad tier will will be tied into that somehow. So we'll see. I don't know, but yeah, I think Netflix and and Disney Plus both are getting ready to drop an uh, an ad supported tier at some point. I just don't have dates. Well, and I think the at least the blurb about that report, I have not read the entire report, but it talked about the fact that typically in a recession, um, entertainment things don't necessarily suffer. So people still go to the show. They still want escapism. They're still buying popcorn and all that kind of stuff. 
But one of the areas that does get hit pretty badly during a recession is marketing and advertising expenses. And I think we've already seen that. Some of the services have reported already that their ad revenues are down. And what that typically means is that when companies tighten their belt, one of the areas that companies tighten their belt on is typically advertising and marketing. Yeah. And so um, I think that is a likely consequence. We're probably going to see that going forward for a little while. Um, it's kind of interesting that, you know, with Top Gun and some of the other things, um, obviously they have been pulling people back into the seats in theaters in ways that we haven't seen for a couple of years. So that part has probably got to be fairly optimistic. But I think on the other revenue streams, I think that's where they see the, uh, the downfall or, or at least the issues. Well, and you mentioned Top Gun. We've got this headline from Variety here about IMAX revenue. Uh, yeah, and, I saw and we that. were talking about we were talking about Top Gun last night over on Culture Casinos channel. The <laughs> idea here that Paramount Paramount is contractually obligated with Tom Cruise to keep this in theaters for 120 days. And you have a lot of a lot of films do the 45 day window and then it goes to streaming and and streaming is where the theatrical stuff is getting pounded because they're not in theaters long enough for the for the profits to start, you know, shaking out wherever they're supposed to be. And so you've got this Top Gun Maverick, which is getting close to. Uh, 700 million domestic and if they keep it going through Labor Day which would be the smart thing for them to do is is to tap into that next holiday break for this last push before it goes out of theaters and then you know into home video and, and streaming and stuff it's really showing the industry what you can do when you make a when you make a, a film that one is is a decent story and two isn't preaching at us for for anything i mean this is just a this is a popcorn action flick blockbuster summer thing and it knows what it is and it doesn't try to be anything else mm-hmm. and it's the perfect uh, it's the perfect vehicle for imax um, yeah. You're going to get repeat customers who went and saw it in the theater, and they're going to go back to see it at IMAX uh, because the kind of action with the uh, airplanes and all that kind of stuff just fits that just fits that um, medium perfectly. Now, this says here revenue at the company famous for its immersive widescreen technology increased right. 45% to 74 million. Mm-hmm. That's up from 51 million in the prior year period. I mean, last year nobody was going to the movies. Uh, so you have you have that. Uh, it's it's not. It says here quarterly losses are narrow, which means we didn't lose as much this year. <laughs> so I guess I guess you got to take the positive where you can find it, huh? You know, yeah. I, one of the things the things that seem so obvious sometimes aren't that obvious. Like um, last night, Amazon reported their uh, their numbers for the quarter, yeah. and they actually lost two billion dollars for the quarter, which is um, not good. And yet, that was better than what Wall Street had predicted. So Wall Street was, was predicting a bigger loss, and the stock price has gone up, uh, jumped by. I, I, when I read about this this morning, it was up ten percent. 
on a $2 billion loss. So you, you don't necessarily, I mean, it, it's how it fits with expectations, not necessarily the hard dollars. Yeah, and um, it was on increased revenue. Yes. So that's, that's what's fascinating about that. It just, they're just growing. I mean, trying to grow. Well, and they've got, you know, the new content, uh, Thursday Night Football is an Amazon product now going forward. So, uh, you know, you've got, you've got interesting stuff happening that, um, that people are excited about. So, mm-hmm. Well, and here it is sitting here almost $136 a share. I mean, what, what, what's, the, what's the bottom where it's time to buy? Are, are, we, are we at that point right now? You might want to get a couple of shares of this? Huh. Yeah, I haven't looked at it in a while. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have to go through. I wouldn't want to re- make a recommendation on it anyway. But. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I just—I mean, you know, it's, it, it's a great company. Um, and it's Netflix made money for shareholders. Yeah, and ne- Netflix is up uh, two uh, tenths of a point. And you said they're at two twenty-five, two twenty-five a share. They're up, uh, even though. They've had uh, they've had their share of hits in in terms of of losses in the quarter and everything. Plus, we've got Roku also saying you know they didn't they didn't miss you know they didn't get their target for second quarter either. They're blaming like what well, you were talking about earlier, Dan the 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 slowdown in TV advertising spend. Yeah, and right. you're right. Yeah, I've I've been in this business now for almost 34 years, and advertising is one of the first things. And it's instinctive. It's like, well, we can't spend any money. Well, okay, but if you don't spend that money on advertising, you're not going to generate the customer base to come in to make the money that you. you I mean, it's it's kind of a chicken and egg thing because people don't want to spend that is, kind of money on it. It is stuff. cyclical, though. I mean, it, yeah. it basically cycles with the business cycle and has for you know decades and probably will for decades. Yeah. Well, and I think the other part of it too is you have you have a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, they own their own business, they manage a business or they manage, you know, they have they have bigger companies if they're corporations or whatnot. And they know their business, but they don't necessarily know the media aspects of things. You that you hire people to take care of all of that, right? It's the old line, and we've said it before. But you know, I uh, um, I know half my business or half my advertising money is effective. I just don't know which half. Yep, John Wanamaker. And, and it's it, it's an easy place to make cuts when you're um, when you're yeah. trying to make payroll. Well, and the other part of that too is you've got people. It's it's almost a gut reaction, you know, because you yeah. you know in in advertising, I'll have I'll have clients, and they'll have a specific idea of what their expectations are. And I have to manage that. I was like, okay, look, you've got to give it six months before you see measurable results on anything you spend now. You know, you're not going to have people walking, unless it's just an absolutely brilliant campaign that knocks the socks off of everybody and they just, I just have to have this widget now today. You've got to give it time to percolate and, you know, because, you know, the, the hierarchy of memory is you know it's if you think of it as a ladder you've got seven rungs on that ladder for brands that you can remember just kind of right off the top of your head and in order to make it into that point you've got to have so many impressions and impressions 
is the time when you actually acknowledge and your brain registers, oh, I've seen a Pepsi commercial, right? And in order for you to get one impression, you have to see the thing three times. So you got to put a TV commercial on 21 times in order for them to register that they've seen it three times. Well, with direct mail, we used to say that, that you get double the response on the second mailing for the exact same thing that you did on the first. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Very and MailChimp, MailChimp has this has this thing that says, okay, so many people opened it the first time, you know, and they recommend sending sending the, the email out a second time to pick up stragglers. And I've been hesitant to do that, but you know, it might be it might be something worth the effort. Who knows? You know, as far as ad revenues go, I would think there's be a lot of spending over the next, well, this uh, coming political cycle. But I don't know that Roku is going to get a whole lot of that. I would imagine uh, not. The networks will. Well, that's the thing, you know, with the with all the the cable news and the streaming and all that kind of thing is that it's uh, so segmented, mm-hmm. and you know, you've not only got to, I mean. You aren't going to spend millions on TV um, eyeballs unless you've got a, a, a real broad array of customers. I mean, if, if you've got some tiny market segment, you know, and it, it's ridiculous to spend the money necessary to talk to the whole world about something that's a tiny market segment. And uh, as, those, as those different channels become narrower and narrower, it, it it just splits up the ad revenues a lot in a place like Roku. I mean, you know, you've got to have a, a you've got to have a customer that matches their their market that channel, and um, it's it's tough. Yeah. Well, and and given the fact that you know, like this chart says, people are going to start cutting back on their yes. entertainment subscriptions. Things yes. like Roku and and Disney Plus and Netflix and and Paramount Plus and whatever others are out there, you have all these you know millennials. Thirty five percent of millennials saying yes, they'll cut back. You know, Gen Z thirty six percent, Baby Boomer sixteen percent, Gen X twenty nine percent. There, every demographic across the board, they're sitting there saying yes. There's a percentage of them that are about to cut the things they're spending on, and you know. 9.1% inflation. And <laughs> that changes things too. It yeah. does. Well, and that's assuming that's assuming that that number is even accurate. Because we're 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 in a recession, maybe depending on who you ask. So, you know, who well, knows how yeah. that's going to go because that's that's going that's that's not going to get any better anytime soon. It's uh, it's it's a very peculiar time. I mean, uh, if if you follow economic signals, you know, you pay attention to, you know, different housing starts and things like that. Sometimes that gives an indication of what's coming. You know, like even the stock market typically is about six months ahead of the the rest of the economy. That's the way it works. But I don't know that there's a time when we've had more mixed signals. You know, where, where housing says this, but uh, consumer spending says this, yeah. or sentiment says this. And so it's very it's a very awkward time to try to figure out what's going to happen next. And the things that have increased the most, uh, everything, when energy increases in price, everything, everything increases in price. And it's the things that you have, have to have. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I was talking to my parents the other day, and and mom says their their electric bill. They're down in Dallas. Their electric bill has gone up to almost almost three hundred dollars a month, and yeah. it's a, it it doesn't it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. I got a I got my annual energy report here from my power company. Uh, and my energy use was 37% higher than the average for my neighbors. I was like, well, yeah, we work at home. I, I have a broadcast studio yes. here. I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, the expense, the, the cost of everything going up. I mean, meat is up how much? 40%. And, you know, you've got all of the things happening with all those food processing centers. <clears throat> You know, yeah. not not to sound like yeah. a conspiracy theorist, but things are bad all over, and mm-hmm. people are recognizing that. And you know, we've got this chart here. It says why users report canceling streaming services, and by and large, the majority of it is you know the subscription price goes up. I'm not getting enough value. They're basically sitting there saying it's not worth the money I'm spending. What whatever that is. It's not worth it because I'm not using it as much. I mean, there's there's a perception there that it's that it's a waste. Well, most people have two or three, of course, and uh, or jump between them. If you really pay attention, you'd probably jump between them. But once you set it up, it seems like such a hassle to cancel it until you have times like today. You know, that's the thing is now my gasoline's gone up, my meat's gone up, my groceries have gone up, my utilities have gone up. I need to look at those streaming services and I need to make some cuts. And so uh, that's that's what I think we're going to see. I was kind of surprised. I looked at the price of XM Cirrus. It was twenty two ninety five. dollars is their preferred, what they try and sell people. That seems like a lot of money yeah. for albums that you could go out and buy and forever so well in physical media that actually that actually uh, goes to Dave's point here with retailers reducing the phys- physical media departments will this cut into home video uh, you know contracts and deals have streaming deals replaced old home video profit expectations that's a good question I don't know uh, I don't know the answer to that I think I think Valiant Renegade might have some some fingers on the pulse of that one but it's it does you know when you see things like vinyl records coming back and vcr tape you know vhs tapes are coming back a little bit and you know when when home video first started you're spending 35 40 45 dollars per per tape for a tv show and now we're you know we've got the dvd collections all of this other stuff but then you have something like um Oh, I can't remember which which video game service it was. They basically said, we're not going to service these games anymore. So you lose all of that. And you you have home video, your, your digital streaming things and whatnot. And, and let's say I cancel my Netflix deal or I cancel Disney+. Plus. I don't have any other way of watching the show outside of sailing the high seas, which I don't recommend. But the physical media is not there as much anymore missed opportunity or is it's just you know we're just figuring it it costs too much to make this stuff i don't think it you know it's not repetitive at all you know once you hook up the technology and stuff uh, adding uh, one more tv show to one more house doesn't cost you anything and i would guess that most of the people who subscribe whether it's netflix or prime or whatever 
probably do it for a single show. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just keeps, then it just keeps going every month after that, unless you cancel. Um, but I think that we're probably reaching the point where too many people have too many streaming services and we aren't going to keep paying multiple uh, things. So yeah. it, it'd almost be, it'd be better for the consumers almost if everything went to pay for view. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and you just, oh, here's a, here's a series of TV shows that I want to watch and I'll pay 40 bucks to do it or whatever and, and not have the ongoing. Of course, that's not what the industry wants, but mm. that would probably be better for consumers. It probably would be better for them, but uh, a lot of people will walk away from a 99 cent movie just because they don't want to pay that 99 cents. Uh, you're right. You're right. Well, and and I saw something. Um, let me see if I can, I can pick it back up again, because there was a story um, over the weekend, I want to say, because you talk about what the industry wants and you know what the consumer wants, and sometimes they're diametrically opposed to each other. That's there was true. a story yes. that came out here. Um, Bank of America had this. Uh, had the, there was there was a leak. Uh, the Intercept had this had this story leaked. Bank of America memo: We hope conditions for American workers will get worse. You know, you have this this corporate financial entity that basically says, "Okay, we're we're looking at the ratio between people available for jobs and how many jobs are available." And right now, it's a uh, it's a buyer's market. It's you know, you've got. The ratio, I think, is something like 0.5. So you have you have so many workers, and, and you know a, a limited number of workers, and all of these jobs are available. So you have your your choice. You can go and pick and choose, and uh, you know be a little bit more selective on what kind of job you want to go get. And Bank of America is sitting here saying that's not really all that great because it puts too much power in the hands of the people. I, I saw one of my uh, very liberal friends, who's very smart, but um, still very liberal, uh, was making the point this weekend that, you know, the balance of power has shifted from capital to labor. Yeah. And now the and there is some truth that shift has taken place or is taking place. But it's it's all economics. It's all supply and demand. That's what decides it all. So. But doesn't that give give us i i would say that gives us a little bit of a peek into the mindset of the corporations right because it's it's not about the customer it's it's never well, about the customer yeah. i mean bob chapek can put out a memo that says we're not going to antagonize our customer but he's not he's not worried about the customer per se he's worried about how much money the customer is going to spend but they, you have something like this Bank of America thing. Well, the 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 people are there to service. It's almost like this this attitude of the normal people, the civilian population, are are there to serve us. You know, bow, yield, kneel. You know, kneel before Zod type of thing. And the more this stuff gets out, I I don't I don't think that ends well. 
Well, I think, you know, um, that's certainly true of some corporations, no question about it. I don't yeah. think it's universally true. I think um, there are a lot of uh, corporations that are very customer focused. Um, but, it, you know, some of those have a sense of entitlement. I mean, to me, Disney has a sense of entitlement. You know, they feel like, you know, they're Disney. Yeah. And, um, and there are other companies that are like that as well. So, And there's Disney now at 105. So it's up. Uh, who knows where this is going to go because, you know, it, the, the financials next week will be an interesting call to listen to to see, see where some of that goes because now that Chapek's got his contract in place. Yes, yes, yes. Know, the stock price is going all over the place because nobody knows what's going to happen next. <laughs> like, who's he going to fire? What's going to happen? Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah, times to live in. He'll, he'll, he'll probably go back to antagonizing his uh, customers, so the families. Yeah. I, I, it just, it's just a weird, it's just a weird thing. I mean, everywhere, uh, it's crazy stuff. But it's, but, but that's the corporate side of things. Then, then you know, we haven't even talked about the nonprofit side because nonprofits are going to be impacted on this as well. But here's this ar article from Variety: the uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press is looking at switching over and becoming a for-profit organization in order to basically try to save themselves. This is the organization that runs the Golden Globe Awards every year. And they're sitting there thinking, well, you know, we got to make some changes. Uh, Eldridge Industries taking over the Golden Globe Awards, which will be turned into a private entity separate from the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's charitable and philanthropic programs which would be managed as a non-profit entity. So basically it looks like they're splitting everything up. Good idea, bad idea, too soon to tell. We don't know what this is going to do. I mean, what, what would be the advantages of splitting off a piece of a non-profit in order to become for-profit? Well, you'd have... Uh, I, I don't know the advantage why you would want to become for profit. I and mean, the NFL did it a few years ago. I think they did it to take public pressure off because they'd operated as a not for profit <laughs> insanely for what 75 years. Um, so I don't really know why. I don't know the, how they generate revenue, but uh, this way they could go out and seek investors and maybe that's what they want. And uh, they want to be able to. I like the idea, at least potentially, you know, um, so so this for-profit will be charged, its primary thing will be actually running the Golden Globe Awards program, you know, right. and uh, I, I, I think um, nothing quite tunes you to the marketplace like, um, like having to make revenues. Um, I think lots of times these nonprofits, they have great intentions, but they aren't very effective at what they're trying to do. This, you know, if you spin this off and it's the Golden Globes and it's a for-profit thing, well, you know, if it doesn't work for profits, it'll be gone or they will make changes. And, you know, they'll do what they need to do in order to generate profits. I like adding the profit, uh, the, the, the profit margin to the program. We'll see whether it works or not, but clearly what they were doing before hasn't been working. So we'll see how it all, all how it all fits together. 
how much of that, though, is the political perceptions, though, as opposed to the economic realities, the financial, the financial reality on the ground versus the public perception of the, the culture? Because you have you have a lot of that playing into not just the Golden Globes, but the Oscars and the Emmys and the Grammys. You know, it's it's all about you know identity and representation and equity and and diversity. It's it's not about skill and craft anymore. It's about well, what do you look like and what what kind of plumbing do you have and what are your pronouns? Oh wait, what do you mean we're not making any money? That's. And I, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, the, the, there's never been, I mean, even if you go back to the Oscars for, you know, people will tell you that for the last 50 years, it's always been political. It hasn't always been the best movie that won the Oscars. It's, it's always been politics. It may have been different politics than today, but it's always been politics. Yeah. I, I just think it's interesting. This is a, you know, obviously a struggling Golden Globes, uh, struggling Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Uh, they're going to try to twist it and see if they can make it better. We'll all see whether they make it better. Yeah. Well, and somebody that's not struggling as much, A24 Production Studio, we're going to talk about that uh, when we get back because they, they just had a little bit of an achievement. We're going to talk about that when we get back, everyone. Stand by. If you unsubscribe to our podcasts, our legion is doomed. The concept of flying cars uh-huh. is just a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. It is a disastrous idea. People can't drive on a level, flat surface, yeah. let alone, you know, it's, trust me, this is one of those things where you want on to be thinking two-dimensionally. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back live from the bunker little shot of the corner of the studio there we don't see very often there's our little spinner rack macintosh still functional by the way yeah you could probably donate that there's uh, become they're developing a market for those things well and really the only thing that i can do with it is turn it on I mean, I, I, I don't have I don't have a landline here with the phone, so I can't connect it to the internet. Um, I tried, but it was like, no, we can't see a we can't see a connection. So yeah, it it, it is what it is. It's it's a nice little conversation piece, I guess. Nice, yes. Back here with Dan Danford, Matt Stevens, uh, both of them financial and investment gurus, uh, investment uh, consultants, uh, advisors, and and whatnot. Let's let's be sure to throw up our little disclaimer here that we're just talking talk. This is not anything (laughs) official in terms of financial advice. Check with your investment advisor, your broker, your CPA, your attorney, and whatnot. Uh, just uh, just to get that out of the way. Okay, so 
in all of this doom and gloom and all of these terrible things and all this stuff, we do have this success story here. This is a Variety article. Everything, everywhere, all at once is A24's first movie to hit $1 million, $100 million globally. Uh, and I would say that's a that's a pretty pretty good success. A24, zany black comedy, everywhere, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. This is with Michelle Yeoh. In the in the lead, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in here. Short Round is in this. Uh, cleared a major box office milestone, crossing 100 million in global ticket sales. It's the first A24 movie to hit that box office benchmark. Since the movie landed in theaters in March, the multiverse adventure turned into the rare indie sleeper hit at the box office on its journey to becoming A24's highest-grossing film of all time. So far, it's generated 68.9 million in the United States, another 31.1 million internationally, uh, putting its global tally at 100 million. And that's actually kind of uh, kind of a, a, an interesting thing to see because A24 has been cranking out a lot of different movies, and everything, everywhere, all at once didn't hit a whole lot of theaters to begin with when it when no. it landed, and yeah, it's just basically kind of just been this slow burns like they say a sleeper hit you know everybody who talks about it has really good things to say about it now there are some people i think it's this movie there are some people that say that the third act is the is the point where you decide you either love it or you hate it because of whatever happens <laughs> I, I haven't the, seen it i yet. took the latter so. you, you took the latter oh, you, yeah. didn't like it? You, you didn't like <laughs> it, how it, it ended it, it seemed rather repetitive at that point so well it, is, I, it is a multi-score this is wonderful yeah. yeah, like Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, it scored like 97, which yeah. is really high. So uh, a lot of people do like it. I've not seen mm-hmm. it. So well, yeah, and- it's, it's it had a lot going for it, but then it just I guess well I guess we're not we're not here to review the movies. I'm <laughs> glad they made if you want to, I'm glad they made something different and it made money. It, well, so. see, and that's and that's the that's the key point on all of that is it's not a franchise movie, it's not a superhero movie. I mean, it kind of multiverse movie it's not really a superhero movie it's not dc it's not marvel it's not image it's not vertigo it's you know it's it's not part of some bigger intellectual property that's books and tv shows and video games and and comic books and all of that so it is unique in its success in this day and age, I mean, you don't see a whole lot of the smaller budget pictures even even moving forward. If, if it's not a if it's not a two hundred million dollar blockbuster, then why should we bother? And it probably had no significant advertising budget. And I don't really watch the late night TV anymore, but I don't think I saw any of their stars prance around on the late night shows like is normal. Yeah, I it's always. Yeah, I always enjoy seeing, uh, you know, the independent films that do really well because it, it tends to uh, move the industry forward is yes. what it does. Is because once somebody creates something like that, it makes everybody else more creative, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and see, I thought going into the lockdown and the pandemic, and I've said this before, I, I thought that the studios would pivot and start making smaller pictures like this in order to to reduce their risk because nobody was going to the movies we were talking about that before and 
they didn't do that. It was almost like they doubled down on the blockbuster hits, but we can't go to theaters, so let's put them on our new streaming service. And, oh, by the way, you're going to have to buy a streaming service in order to see this new movie that we just spent $200 million on. Yeah. But they're doing it at a loss. I mean, you're not making $200 million back on, on every movie if you're selling subscriptions. That's a you know, once a month thing, or in some cases, people do the one and done, we'll do it for a month, we'll cancel it. Well, of course, that's not what they're counting on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I I bought a Disney service to watch Hamilton. And oh, I yeah. Watched Hamilton, and six months later, I remembered to cancel it, so. Yeah. Well, and, and as far as the, the press junket stuff goes for this particular film, for, for this one, I think I saw, I caught an interview with uh kihei kwan uh who short round in you know indiana jones of the temple of doom and you know he's he's uh in the goonies and then he kind of disappeared he did stunts for a while and now he's coming back as an actor and everybody's like short rounds back he's great i mean he's his his <laughs> the reception has been so positive and so energetic and and everybody is so happy to see him back as an actor I'm sure that had a, a lot to do with this as well, because you've got Michelle Yeoh as as the lead, and it helps that she's been in Star Trek Discovery, so she's right out there in front of people for a while now. You've got Jamie Lee Curtis at this thing, and you have a short round. And there, a lot of the buzz was very positive, and it's just kind of been one of those things, almost kind of like Buckaroo Banzai. You know, it doesn't do very well in the theaters, it doesn't do very well at the beginning... But it just slowly gains momentum over time, and this one's got the benefit of still being in the theater as it's as it's gaining momentum. And mm-hmm. so now we have this hundred million dollar mark. So I all you know, kudos to the A twenty four people because they could have pulled it after thirty days. And they, I uh, see, they also made that Adam Sandler movie a couple years ago, Uncut Gems. Uh, Uncut Gems, yeah, which was I thought very, very good. Gross fifty four million, so that that would have made money. So they're uh, they're doing something right there. Well, that was they, also a very bizarre film. They so. seem to be willing to take more risks. Mm-hmm. I think you you are when you're small. I mean, you know, the the, yeah. the, the risk on a on a fifty million dollar budget is not as great as the risk on a five hundred million dollar budget, and I think that's. You know, that's once once you make it into Hollywood or whatever, and you become one of these really high paid actors and stuff like that, it's good for you. But it also narrows what you can do because you just can't produce you. You can take a position as a studio and say, hey, we know only two out of every 10 movies really makes a lot of money. Yeah. But that changes how you operate the business you know it's that you know but those two have got to cover for everybody and that's why you have the blockbusters and you pay the big money and all that kind of stuff when you're a small studio um you know every single thing you do has impact and um using the lesser known names and things like that because they keep the budgets lower uh it i just think it generates creativity you won't see that kind of creativity for a, a movie with a budget of $400 million. They aren't going to take that kind of risk with $400 million. Right. Well, and this, this article here says, you know, although, 
Although Everything Everywhere All at Once is already available on home entertainment platforms, ticket sales have continued to rise. Right. Yeah. Over the weekend, A24 re-released the film in theaters across the country with an additional eight minutes of outtakes. And this is this is notable here. As well as a pre-recorded message from the filmmakers. Now, I haven't seen it. But my suspicion is that this is going to be kind of the same same thing, maybe like what we saw at the beginning of Top Gun, where, where yeah. you know, Tom, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise comes you. in and says, we appreciate yeah. you doing business and with us, hope you enjoy. Too, so. Could that I be the new thing? Maybe maybe that's the, new, that's the new, uh, um, oh, what's the, what's the word for it? Uh, the new overture to the long movies, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, you yeah. had those those big musical numbers at the beginning that weren't anything. Now we're going to have filmmakers and actors and whatnot, and they're coming out and saying, "Hey, thanks for being here. We appreciate yeah. it." Yeah. Well, that that prologue with Tom Cruise, I thought was exceptional. It was. Uh, I don't think too many people could get away delivering that. He, it was very believable. I've never been a big fan of his, but that was. Uh, it worked. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's effective too because you you see uh, you see a number of YouTube channels, for example, where a lot of them are taking the time and making the effort and going through and acknowledging their audiences and you know the people the people that are in the chat and the people that give them super chats and the people that follow <clears throat> them on on social media and and whatnot. And I think it's important to remember that, you know, we're not doing this in a vacuum. It's not just the three of us sitting here talking. There are people actually watching this show and yeah. they're putting in the time because they think that we're delivering something of value. And and it's one of those things where I I am constantly reminding myself, you know, that there are people who are here because they like what we do and that's a good thing and and we don't want to take that for granted we don't want to just assume that people are going to show up for whatever it is that we do and, and to see some of the higher the the bigger high profile people like tom cruise acknowledging that sort of thing it kind of it tells me we're kind of on the right track here because mm -hmm. you know it's all about the customer the paid customer whether whether they're paying for something or they're just showing up you know that that matters, and uh, you know too many too many companies out there are just like, well, of, of course they're going to show up. It's us, you know? yeah. <laughs> That's that entitlement issue. Yeah, got an MBA. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, it's just you know you have to you have to be willing to acknowledge that your your customers matter, uh, because you don't have a business if you don't have customers. Or an audience, or readers, or viewers, or you know what, whatever you know, fill in the blank with the the consumer of your content, and it's just we we need to we need to remember that a little bit more often than we do. I think there's a series on Amazon Prime now called The Offer. It's about the making of The Godfather, right? And oh. uh, they get into towards the end. It's it's the battle of the creatives and the uh, and the MBAs, and it's it's quite factual. You know, they even interesting after the credits, they actually interview some of the people. They're still alive, and, and a lot of the actors. And I really recommend it if you have an interest in the movie business. It's very it's a very interesting story. So, wow. 
Well, and there was a, it's generated a lot of interest of late, but because of the, it was a major anniversary for the, for the thing, but um, there was the Kansas City Star recently wrote a, a lengthy article on the history of the Godfather and how the Italian uh, community in Kansas City boycotted the movie, mm-hmm. and bought up all the all the tickets and the seats and everything. And I mean, it, it yeah. really is now. It's really an interesting perspective on that because all of us know the movie and all of us know the success of the movie and the various actors and things like that. But we forget how controversial it was when it first came out. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it really is fascinating. This uh, show is very much about that. I mean, they use violence to and kidnapping to stop it. And they, of course they control, it was shot in New York and you know who controls the unions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, It deals with all of that. And they had a brilliant producer that knew how to play ball. So. Well, interesting. And, I'll check on that. You know, you talk about the battle between creatives and the and the accountants and the you know the bean counters and the people in the carpeted offices and the C suites and stuff. Where it, and and that kind of circles us back to what we had talked about previously with this whole ESG thing, where you know you're making stuff because of political agendas and representation and diversity and all of that. And you're not, you're not so invested in telling a good story and telling an entertaining story so much as we're going to check all of these boxes so we can get this money from the government and, and do this thing. Mm -hmm. And and that compromises too much, I think, because it's all, it's, it's all about money. It becomes, you know, well, what are we going to do to, what are we going to do to make money? You know, and and so that. A lot of other countries have formal uh, government funding of creative projects. And I wonder if Britain and uh, a lot of Scandinavian countries, and I think most everything is made that way. I just wonder how much it has helped or hurt projects. I've got a lot of projects don't get off the ground because of that. Now here we have tax subsidies that uh, so I assume you don't can't get tax subsidies for certain projects. I don't actually know that. But, yeah. Well, um, I mean, you can get you you know you get the tax incentives for the film industry and whatnot. I saw I saw a thing in Georgia. I think they spent something like four billion dollars last year in Georgia on on film and TV productions. It's crazy mm-hmm. the amount of money. Yeah. But it becomes about the profit, and you know sometimes that gets you into some compromising relationships, I guess, because here's this story about Visa, uh, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it. I've, I've waited till the very last of the of the <laughs> show to to bring this up, but uh, you know those of you who have Visa cards, you might want to you might want to make a phone call or something because there's this uh, federal judge that decided Visa is not off the hook for facilitating I, I gotta be real careful with this because the YouTube algorithm is just gonna go nuts on this but apparently there is a there is a website that provides entertainment content for adults not not for kids not safe for kids but apparently this content includes kids which is illegal and Visa and MasterCard both had pulled their, pro- their, their payment processing services for this and then quietly decided to go back. And the judge basically says, 
you can be held liable because you're you know what they're doing and you're providing your payment processing services anyway and in in Delaware there's this thing apparently called a caremark caremark personal liability which basically says that if if you if somebody does harm and you know about it and you help it happen you're just as liable so visa could take a huge hit on this because of the the ramifications for all of this stuff <laughs> um how many how many companies out there are we only take visa you know we don't take mastercard we'll take Visa. i mean costco went to that yeah. here a couple of years ago they said no just visa cards it's hard to believe it's yeah. a significant amount of revenue for them i mean i don't know why they'd mess with it you PayPal dumped them a year ago, and I don't think they've come back. Well, and PayPal's got their own problems because they're sitting, they're sitting there and and won't release funds. You know, we talked about uh, Eric July's comic book pro uh, program. You know, last week, Isom Isom number one, he's at three point something million dollars, and PayPal's hanging on to almost a million of that, saying, "Well, I, we don't know that you're going to deliver." And July's like. It doesn't matter. That's my money. Give me, give yeah. me my money. People have, people have paid my company for my product. You don't have a right to hold that money because you think that something's hinky or you know you don't like the way we do business or whatnot. Yeah, if they, you're, if you're they a pass the money, they need to pass it on. Yeah, uh, so I can see got, not, it's not accepting it if they think he's a fraud, but. Uh, yeah. yeah well, and he's done videos. He's got he's got the books. So you know everything's getting ready to go out and start shipping. So I I don't know maybe. But he's he's talking to lawyers and there's all sorts of stuff going on back and forth behind the scenes. Was it Kickstarter that kept the truckers' money for the Canada ones? Was it Kickstarter or GoFundMe? Yes. Was it, it, was, it was Kickstarter? Yeah. Exactly. Kickstarter. Oh, it's GoFundMe. I think but, I know somebody that uh, I think it, them and got their money back minus the fee. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, five percent. You, know, you get these. You get these companies that are making decisions like that, and they don't have anything to do with business. They have to mm -hmm. do with yeah. with culture and reputation and all that other stuff. And you know, you get into this situation with something like Visa, with you know, stuff we can't say on the air. And mm -hmm. how I don't know how much of a hit that's going to be for them, but it'll it'll be interesting to see how that lawsuit plays out. Mm -hmm. It's um, it, 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 you just have to be awfully careful about the alliances that you form, and um, I don't I don't care whether it's personal alliances or business alliances, you have reputational risk all the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's not the kind of thing that somebody on Visa they don't want to be on the front page of the papers on a story like this. Well, and a lot of the media it doesn't seem to be reporting on it a lot, and which surprises me. Or kind of, well, maybe it doesn't. Because <laughs> it is the media. And the media is not your friend. So, I don't know. It's, it, uh, yeah, it's, I saw that over the weekend. I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. But, you know, it's current year. Nothing surprises me anymore. It's like, well, of course, of course that's the rabbit hole they're going to go down. I don't know. It's, it's. It's the it's the heat of the summer, right? It's getting to everybody. 
Every day is a new day with new opportunities <laughs> and adventures. I, I, I tell you what, it's, it's, I, I, there are, there are days I come in here and I look at all of the different headlines and the different stories and the different things that are going on. And I think, I just, I just want to go tend my garden, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just get away from all of this and not do anything. I mean, it's, it, this is nuts. Some of this stuff. And it's going to get worse. I, I'm, I've, I have no doubt that between now and after, right toward the end of November, you know, past the midterms, things are just going to get really stupid crazy. Mm-hmm. So. It'll be a lot of, uh, uh, nobody's, nobody's going to be passive about the next election. Yeah. It's going to be very, very ugly. I, I, I'm glad I have a very, powerful apathy switch so <laughs> <laughs> right so. oh my goodness i don't know well maybe maybe we just there uh i saw i saw what was it there was a an old missile silo that had been turned into a house out in out in middle of middle of kansas somewhere of nowhere mm-hmm. kansas yeah and i'm thinking you know that just doesn't <laughs> doesn't really sound like a bad idea right now <laughs> just yeah. to get away from everything if I had one, I think it'd fill it full of food, though. So. Right, right. I've got three. <laughs> I've got three freezers in my garage for a reason. You know, it's, it's one of those things. yeah. Well, the problem with the freezer, you need electricity coming into that. So. I got I got a generator too, so I'm I'm set. Right, so okay. yeah. But uh, anyway, all right. So you know that might be something we do. Uh, talk, you know, as we get closer to the midterms and the riots that are going to ensue, we could talk about you know prepping financially for for the for the collapse of civilization. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right, because money's not. Well, that's easy. That's easy to wrap up in fifty-nine minutes. Yeah, buy, buy gold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, where can uh, where can people find you, Matthew, Dan? Where where are we gonna where are we gonna go to get your sage advice on all things related to finance? <laughs> well, I don't really share any advice myself, so. But I'm. Uh, you, if someone wants to track me down on Facebook, I you can probably find me, Matthew Stevens. So. Um, and uh, I work for Family Investment Center, and probably the best place to find stuff for me is go on Amazon, search for Dan Danford, two or three books there, and uh, you can get started from that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. And of course, uh, folks, we do want to invite you to check out our other channel, uh, Sci-Fi for Me TV. Two. It's brand new. There's hardly anything on it yet. It's a test. It's an experiment. I have no idea what's going to happen with it, but we'll see. Uh, and then uh, tonight, uh, join us for our discussion about uh, the careers of uh, Nichelle Nichols and David Warner on a new H2O podcast. That's tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. And then tomorrow night, The Ranker Pit, we're going to be talking about some Star Wars stuff. We just got uh, a new trailer for Andor today and some news about that. So we'll be talking about that tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. And don't forget, we're going to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday this month for this show just to see how it works out, just to test and see what goes on. And we'll go from there and figure things out. So that's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Don't forget, you can find us on all the different social medias. (sighs) Just because. (laughs) That's going to do it for us. Thanks very much for being here, folks. I do appreciate all of you being here all the time. 
And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. Bye. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. 